Good morning. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 13. The Lord wants to meet us there. We're in the book of Joshua, studying through it, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We find ourselves in chapter 13. Our text this morning will be verses 1 through 7. The topic of those verses, God commands Joshua to divide the land among the tribes of Israel, and he encourages him to finish the task of subduing all the remaining country. The title of our message, New Country for Old Men. Beginning in verse 1. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Jeshurites. From Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites. From the south, all the land of the Canaanites and Mirah that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek to the border of the Amorites. The land of the Gibalites and all Lebanon toward the sunrise from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. All the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Mizrafoth and all the Sidonians. Them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. Let's pray together. Father, it's a wonderful thing to follow the career of, of your servant Joshua. Uh, not just in the book of Joshua that bears his name, but, but all the way back to uh, the Exodus, Lord. We're learning so much about him, and we thank you for his faithfulness. We uh, have learned from his failures. Uh, we're encouraged, Lord, in, in everything that you've taught us about him, and we want to continue to learn, continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be encouraged, Lord, that uh, Joshua was a man of like passions as we are. And though he did mighty and amazing things, uh, so can we, Lord, in a sense, as you fill us with your Holy Spirit. As we minister, Lord, in that grace and in that strength, losing ourselves, Lord, in the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, guide and direct our uh, thoughts about this text. In the comments, Lord, may they be from you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, Amen. It's become somewhat popular for you to create a list of 50 or even 100 things to do before I die. Some call it a bucket list. Uh, I think there's a movie by that name, as a matter of fact. You put the things that you want to accomplish in your proverbial bucket that you're going to, and then you do them before you kick the bucket. That's the idea. So you've got your proverbial bucket you're carrying around. Before you kick it and die, uh, there's some things you want to accomplish. Now, I don't have my own list yet, so I visited a few online. I found things like these. Set foot on each of the seven continents. Hopefully not all at once. Uh, watch the space shuttle land. I assume not on television, but in person. I've been out to Edwards. It's not that exciting. Uh, Attend a major sporting event, such as the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Milk Can Game. Uh, no. 
Here's one, skydive. That's way up there on everybody's list. I could live my whole life without ever skydiving. I have no desire to jump out of an airplane uh, with somebody or with, and even especially now that you have to be strapped to somebody else. You know that? I mean, when you learn that you, you're like tandem with somebody else, that's just weird. But, uh, and then this is on almost every bucket list, swim with a dolphin. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think we can call chapter 13. Well, that, that didn't need any commentary. It's just, you know, I don't think we can call chapter 13 a bucket list, but the Lord did come to Joshua in his old age and remind him of unfinished spiritual business. We want to finish strong in our walk with the Lord. We don't want to have any unfinished spiritual business. We want to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Joshua's senior moment gives us an opportunity to explore how we're doing, whether we are old or young, physically or in the Lord. Are we still pressing forward to the finish line or have we begun, in a sense, to coast towards it? I'll organize my thoughts around two points. Number one, it's not too late for you to intensify your vision for serving the Lord. And number two, it's not too early for you to impart your vision for serving the Lord. We're going to take a look in verses 1 and 7 and see that it's not too late for you to intensify your vision for serving the Lord. The initial conquest of the promised land took about seven years. The Israeli military broke the backbone of Canaanite power in three decisive battles. In the central region, they had taken the strategic fortified city of Jericho. In the south, they had defeated a combined force at Gibeon. In the north, they had defeated a huge enemy contingent by the waters of Merom. It was time for the combined military of Israel to stand down and for each tribe to take the responsibility of driving out any additional resistance. Joshua was at least 90 and perhaps as much as 100 years old by this time. Not extremely old for an Old Testament guy, But the phrasing God used indicates that his years of serving had taken a toll on Joshua. We read in verse 1, now Joshua's old, advanced in years. I'm told that this phrase, advanced in years, is a particular way of describing uh, a person in their older years who has just, well, well, let me put it this way. The complete Jewish Bible, which is another translation of the Bible from a more Jewish perspective, translates the opening phrase, now Joshua was old, the years had taken their toll. Serving the Lord can take its toll on you. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. I'm just talking about being a minister or a missionary, just serving the Lord. It's something to tuck away because a lot of times we feel like when we get involved serving the Lord, if things aren't going really smoothly or if it isn't what we thought it was going to be, we have a tendency to retreat from it and think, well, maybe that's not for me or maybe I'm in the wrong place. But uh, serving the Lord can take its toll on you. I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul, who we quoted earlier, and the sheer weight of the physical and emotional toll serving the Lord took on him. We studied the book of Acts not too long ago, and uh, we saw some of the events in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, By the time we left him in the book of Acts, 
Uh, he had had so many beatings that we think he had at least 200 scars on his back. He'd been shipwrecked many times. Uh, he'd been robbed. He'd been imprisoned several times in, in very difficult situations uh, where he would be put in stockades and, and left just to, to be miserable. On top of all that, uh, he had some kind of a physical ailment, a, a, an illness, Perhaps an eye problem. We think it might be ophthalmalia, a weeping eye kind of a thing. He prayed that the Lord would take it from him. And the Lord said that he had sent it to him, gave it to him as a gift to keep him humble and depending on the Lord's strength. And Paul received that. And in at least one place in the scripture, he talks about an emotional toll that the care of the church has put on him as he cared for the people that he had led to Christ and their uh, subsequent people that they had led to Christ, churches he had uh, established. Uh, the, the ministry took a toll on the Apostle Paul. And uh, though I don't wish it upon anybody, uh, it's not unusual for the ministry to take its toll. If you feel as though serving the Lord has cost you dearly, if it has exacted a toll on you, then you are at least in glorious company when you get to heaven. Now, how do you feel about God's seeming bluntness addressing Joshua? I heard you chuckle. Now, Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you were old, advanced in years. Not real tactful on God's part. How many of you, have, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you been to a reunion, a high school reunion, maybe 10 years into it, 15, 20? I know some of you are getting up there, but, you know, and, and quite honestly, none of you, because I look at you, this is the most handsome group I've seen in years. Uh, but, you know, you, you see somebody and you, and you don't want to say it, you know, because it would sound like this. But you think, wow, you're tore up. <laughs> I, I, I never expected you to age that way. I mean, you know, some people present company accepted. As I said, some people don't age very well. Uh, it, it, oh, accepted. Did I say that? I meant to say that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> present company excluded. <laughs> Some people just don't age very well. It's all a genetic thing. So, you know, you don't need to be envious of me. But uh, a lot of people don't age very well. I'm beautiful on the outside, but I'm hurting on the inside. Anyway, uh, so, you know, God basically says, Joshua, you're tore up. I mean, the ministry has really exacted a toll on you. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. There's just a realism about God. And sometimes as we deal with one another, we need to be real. And this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to remind a person that what they are experiencing, what they are struggling with is their lot in life. As we go from this point forward in the book of Joshua, I'm going to use the word lot a lot. Get it? A little bit of a pun there. Pun intended. Uh, Last service, I made that up and I was all proud of myself, so I thought I'd try it again. Anyway, the, because the, the Lord just uh, grants this by lot and he says, okay, this is your land. And I think a lot of times in our Christian life, it's like, okay, this is my life in the Lord. Sure, there were choices and moments along the way, but, but here I am. I'm at this point. And a lot of times we struggle against that. We want to get out of that lot into another lot or whatever it might be. And, and we really need to tell people... Hey, this is just who you are. This is what the Lord has for you. You need to just tough it out. You don't have the choices that you think you do, spiritually at least. And sadly, a lot of people, they want to get out of their situation so badly that they're willing to disobey the Lord for a time. 
trusting that he will forgive them later on so that they can establish some new life that they think is going to be a much better life. And we need to be honest with people and say, look, we love you, but what you're doing is wrong. It is sin. You can't do it. And, and it, it's being real with them. Now, believe it or not, believers have midlife crises. I'm not condoning them. I'm just recognizing that they occur. Yes, you're getting older and will soon be too old for some things. So what? You don't have the spiritual freedom to abandon your family and experience worldly things you might have missed or think you're missing. Uh, maybe some of you know people like this. I do, where, where they seem to be walking with the Lord and then there's just this, this uh, you know, uh, feeling of unsettlement. And, and when you get right down to it, it's that they think they're getting older and that they've missed out on something or that they're missing out on something and they want to go back and recapture some of that. Uh, and it's very sad. I've seen whole families break up as a result of this. Our culture doesn't help because it kind of condones it. It's almost kind of an unexpected thing that you have a midlife crisis. And, and uh, I guess it's, you know, maybe it's not that bad if it just involves buying a few crazy things, you know, that, that'll make you think you feel happy because you'll find out that they won't. But so many people are trading whole lives. They're abandoning their family to go and recapture something that really never existed uh, and doesn't exist. I, I think at some point we need to admit that we're getting old, uh, if we are. I am. Uh, I, we have to keep all of the doors on one side of the hallway closed at night because I stumbled out, you know, in the morning. I've got, I guess, arthritis in my broken ankle. I caught, caught my broken ankle. I broke it here years ago playing softball for the ch at the church picnic and uh, never healed properly. Uh, that's my sad story, so can you help me out here? And uh, so, you know, and, and they wouldn't give me physical therapy. And so now, uh, you know, and then I belligerently said, uh, I'm not getting the pins taken out. And so I've got these huge aluminum screws in my leg. And, and the doctor said, well, you don't have to take them out unless they bother you. And I said, but they're not going to bother me. And boy, was I wrong about that. And so when I get up in the morning, I'm just kind of like leaning to one side. And I, I use the wall to kind of get me down there. So I feel old. I felt especially old this morning. My dog barked. Uh, she, she sleeps with us and, and it's unusual that she barks. Either she wants to go outside or there's an ax murder in the hallway. There's one of, <laughs> one of those two possibilities. She, usually it's that she wants to go outside. So she barked. And so I get up, stumble down the hall. I kind of look at the clock in our room. It's fuzzy. You know how that is? You know, your clock is fuzzy. You don't have your glasses on. The clock is a little fuzzy. And I thought it was around 4.45. You know, that's what my mind said. And so I went in, and as I was going through the kitchen, I looked over at the microwave because that clock is lit up, and it, it said 4.45. And I thought, what a genius. You know, I know, you know, I know what time it is. And I'd wanted to get up at 5, and so I let the dog out just to finish the story. As soon as I opened the door, a cat was in the bushes or something and made a noise, and my dog went out and came back in because she's a scaredy cat, you know. And so, uh, anyway, so then I, I power up my computer, and I get my coffee going, and I'm thinking, this is, you know, uh, I'm only 15 minutes early. And then at some point, I look up in the corner of my computer, and it's, it's 3.30. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what happened to my new Mac? You know, it's, it's like not keeping time properly. And I look in the kitchen at the microwave, Sure enough, it's 4.45. Did you ever open your microwave with four minutes and 45 seconds left? And uh, 
Oh, man. But it was fun. You know, I, I got an awful lot done this morning in my old age. But that means at about 6.30 tonight, I'll be gone. Uh, so we're getting old. And we don't have the spiritual freedom to abandon our families and our churches to experience things that we might have missed or think we're missing. Now, the, uh, the major military conflicts were over. God gave Joshua a new assignment, really a reassignment. At the end of verse 1, it says there's much land yet to be possessed. And then drop down to verse 7. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. Joshua began his spiritual career as an assistant to Moses. Under Moses, he had led the Israeli army to many victories. After Moses died, he led both civilian and military affairs. Now, in his old age, he was to be an administrator in charge of dividing the inheritance of the land. Are you open, truly open, to the Lord's reassignments? It can be a very difficult moment for a Christian. I've known too many believers who have fought God's reassignment and refused to budge. Sometimes a reassignment might seem obvious. You require a certain ability or skill set to serve in a particular capacity, and you lose that ability or skill set. Or the Lord raises up someone else, and it's evident that that person is being called to do that ministry. Still... We have a tendency to tenaciously want to hang on. I've noticed in my life and in the lives of others that we feel as though our spiritual identity is wrapped up in our place of service. That's not true. Our spiritual identity is wrapped up in being a servant. And that means doing whatever the Lord calls us to do. Reassignment can be part of being a servant. I still pray for several individuals who, not just at this church, but other churches, and I've been involved with, and other churches I know of, who just have fought reassignment, where their pastor or an elder or someone will go to them and say, hey, we want you to do this, we want you to transition here, we're going to start doing this, and they just dig in and say, no, that is my ministry. You know, you're always in trouble when you say that. You understand that, right? I know what people mean. I sometimes say that too, but when somebody looks at you and says, that is my ministry. Well, no, it's not. That's the Lord's ministry. So let's get that clear. Now that we know whose ministry it is, let's figure out who the Lord wants to do it right now and what the Lord might have for you that is better and more in your wheelhouse, as it were. You know, some of these guys, you know, they got to be transferred to the American League so they can still hit because they can't run and catch anymore. You know, and, and everybody has that kind of a moment. And sometimes it comes in our spiritual life as well. Uh, if it hasn't yet, it might. So pray about it. So... Two and a half of the tribes of Israel had already received their land on the east side of the Jordan River. I know I pointed west. Uh, the remaining tribes awaited their inheritance. The rest of the book of Joshua will relate the allotting of their lands along with some great stories thrown in for our learning. Now, after an extra 40 toll-taking years of wandering in the wilderness with a disobedient generation, Joshua was in the land. He had distinguished himself as their general, the major fighting was ended. He was an old man. We might say that Joshua had arrived. But in another sense, in a spiritual sense, Joshua had not arrived because you never arrive in serving the Lord until you're dead. Uh, and Joshua understood this. I mentioned reassignment. There's another lesson here. We could call it reassessment. 
It's not unusual for a believer to slack off, especially if you've been serving in a certain capacity for a long time. It's, it's just kind of a natural tendency. You can feel as though you've arrived. But if you're not dead, then you have not arrived. God's talk with Joshua gives you an encouragement to intensify your vision for serving the Lord. So if you're not being reassigned, then your assignment is to reassess where you're at in your service to the Lord, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, and to look at all of those various areas and to say, okay, Lord, am I excited about serving you as excited as I was when I first began? Have I accomplished everything that is possible in this area of service? Am I praying about it as much as I used to? You know, those kinds of things, you know what I'm talking about, to really look and reassess where you're at in serving the Lord. Uh, other portions of Scripture, for example, the New Testament, talk about this in, in, in a, a stirring up of the gifts and the abilities that you have, that you would be stirred up. Some foods need to be stirred up. I love oil and vinegar on my uh, salad, but you've got to shake that up. You've got to stir that up, otherwise you get just one because they have a tendency to separate. And Christians can be like that. We, we're all excited. We're all hot about doing something. And then we settle into it. And it becomes kind of second nature. And so we need to stir up the gifts that are in us and stir one another up. We need to get excited and pour ourselves into it. Renew and refresh our original vision and ask the Lord for new direction. Otherwise, you know, you get stale. Uh, you, you, you're not relevant anymore. You're, you're not reaching anybody anymore. Uh, and, and we want to reach people, don't we? Don't we want to be fresh and alive and, and have people see that the Lord is working in our heart? Of course we do. And so there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, if you're not being reassigned, reassess your service. If you're getting old, you should also be looking to raise up others younger than you to carry on the work that God has given to you. And that is our point for verses 2 through 6. It's not too early for you to impart your vision for serving the Lord. The western coast, the southern wilderness, and the northern mountains were still under foreign control. It was time to divide the land and turn loose each tribe in their inheritance, and they would continue the conquest. And so that's the point of all these strange names in verses 2 through 6. Now, had Joshua somehow failed by leaving these unconquered enemies in the land? Well, no, he hadn't because he didn't leave them there. God did. In the sequel to Joshua, the book of Judges, you read about these same people, and when you do, it says this. This is from Judges chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. These are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them, that is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. And so we're told here that God purposely left enemies in the land for two reasons. One, to test subsequent generations, and two, to teach subsequent generations. God's tests are never to see you fail, but to help you pass with high honors. It's been said that a faith not worth testing is not worth having. I always struggle when I see the word test because I, I don't know about you, but I always hated tests. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to the theory that tests prove nothing. 
but my professors always subscribed to the theory that I had to take them. Uh, and so uh, I ended up majoring in... Uh, I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I majored in philosophy and psychology, and I only think took one test uh, in the two years I was at UCR. The rest of it was writing papers where I could, as Bill O'Reilly says, bloviate, and, uh, and therefore I could get great grades without ever taking a test. And so I know nothing uh, at this point. I did have a, a, t- uh, a class in statistics in psychology, and I still don't know even how to do a percentage. So, you know, I'm in trouble there. But, uh, you know, the A's I got in crazy philosophy classes canceled out the C's and D's I was getting in statistics. So I'm okay. I'm an intelligent person as far as UCR is concerned. But anyway, um, so, you know, we see tests and we think, wow, that's, that's crazy. We get all nervous. God tests us to prove to us how we're growing in him, what, how much we have grown and to show us other areas where growth uh, still matters. And then it says, in the testing, there is teaching. It's one thing to tell the next generation that Joshua stopped the sun and the moon and the sky for a whole day. It's another for them to confront their own enemies and learn firsthand that God will fight for them. Joshua is to turn over the work of driving out the remaining enemies to each individual tribe and to their descendants after them. He was to impart the Lord's vision and encourage them to serve the Lord. Now, this happens on several levels in our lives. First of all, if you are a family with a child or children, then you are charged with raising that child or those children, the Bible says, in the way that they should go, Proverbs 22, 6. That way is first and foremost to understand and believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Now, you're not done once your kids know the Lord. You've only just begun. You must impart to them a vision for serving the Lord. Why? Because Jesus said, I have come to serve, not to be served. And in one of the most endearing uh, images of the Lord Jesus Christ on the night before he was crucified, which was the ultimate act of his serving the human race, With his disciples, he bowed down and washed their feet because none of them were willing to do it. He took the job of the lowest servant, and then he told them, you need to do what I have done. And so the Christian life is at least this one-two punch of knowing Christ and then serving others uh, as unto the Lord. And so that's what we want to impart to our children. What is true in our home is also true in God's church. We are collectively to be raising up and training the next generation to serve the Lord. Unless we understand we are here to serve and not be served, we are misrepresenting the nature and character of Jesus Christ. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so we need to serve. These two goals meet often when we encourage, by our example, our kids to attend and be involved in the church and its activities. There were always lots of activities competing with the church when our kids were growing up. Some of them were good, positive activities. They even had a Christian emphasis. Others were healthy, physical activities with a not-so-Christian or a neutral emphasis. Others were just plain worldly through and through. All I can say is that we put serving the Lord at the top of our list, and I'm glad that we did, and I would highly recommend that you do the same if you're raising a family. Now, the most famous line in the book of Joshua is still ahead of us. It's probably something that you have at home or on a plaque somewhere. 
It's when Joshua states in 2415, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just thinking about that this morning when I was wishing I was still asleep. And uh, I think sometimes we interpret that to mean, as for me and my house, we know the Lord. We're Christians. And we need to get into what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the question, of course, always, is our house busy serving the Lord? My house, my family, our house, the household of faith, of faith excuse me, are we busy serving the Lord? Uh, we need to be imparting that vision to our children. Uh, you'll have to answer for yourself in your own household. Here at the church, I think we're doing the, uh, a really good job of raising up the next generation to serve the Lord, but we want to continue to do that. Now, I also see a personal and corporate challenge in our text. It's the words, there remains very much land yet to be possessed. I find that exciting, uh, not in any way uh, a, a rebuke. When, when God comes to Joshua and says, hey, you're getting old, you're old, you're tore up. He doesn't say, but there's all this land left. I mean, he doesn't really rebuke him. He doesn't say, you've just been sitting around getting old. He says, you're old, you're all tore up from the ministry, and I still have things for you to do. There's still a, a work for you. And so when I say that this is a word for us as a church, there's a lot of land to be possessed. It's an exciting thing. The Lord is saying, hey, you guys have been around for a long time and there's a lot more to do. And I'm going to lead you and guide you into it. As a fellowship, I want to see us conquer all the land that God would give us to conquer. In some cases, we need to do it as a congregation as we rally behind a vision for serving that God gives us. And so we need to seek the Lord. Wait on the Lord, find his leading, and then move in those areas uh, and, and rally behind that and say, okay, how can we move out? Some things we're always going to do as a church, but then there are always new things, exciting things that the Lord would lead us into and uh, try uh, and to see if we can't reach people with the gospel. In other cases, what this means is that we want to continue strengthening individual families so that you can conquer the land that God has given to you, your home and neighborhood and place of employment and where you go to school and all of that. And so just in general, it's a, it's a, a vision, really, that the Lord would give us that until he takes us home, either individually or corporately in the rapture of the church, Every day that we wake up, there is new land to be conquered. There is uh, more land to be found and conquered. And within the land that we already have been given, we need to continually reassess, reassign, making sure that it's uh, infused with the power of God so that a person uh, can receive ministry, so the person can be served, and so that we can be the ones that serve them. It always means reassessment, so we stay intense and committed to imparting our vision, which is to always be serving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these things. They're wonderful, Lord. Um, we see Joshua there at the end of his life saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
The people knew that he meant it. They could see the toll that it had taken on him. And yet the zeal and the excitement that he still had, Lord, to press forward. We want to have that. We can't manufacture it, nor do we want to. We we want it through the ministry of your Holy Spirit who lives in us and draws us ever closer to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that um, we would be servants at our core. Not just serving, which is great in and of itself, but that we would be servants, having servants' hearts. Willing to do what needs to be done, doing it with the authority and the power and the humility of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the guys are up here to pray with you after the service as usual. They love doing that, so uh, make their day. Go ahead, you can stand. I'm sorry. Um, This Friday night uh, is our first Friday night's light, and uh, though obviously it's an outreach to the high schoolers who are going to be attending the games, Uh, a lot of parents attend the games, and anyone is welcome to be here on campus during that time. And uh, sometimes I think it's good for uh, some of us old folks uh, to be around the kids and to see what they're all about and, and, uh, uh, and, and just to be on hand to minister and, and uh, to be ministered to. And so you're all obviously welcome and invited to come. If not, just pray for it between 9 and 11 uh, tonight or uh, next Friday night. So it starts September the 12th and we're going uh, all the way through football season to mid-November, I think, every Friday night. So keep that in prayer. Uh, it's an example of trying to conquer some new land. To you know, It's the Lord coming to us and saying, hey, there's some land I have for you. Go out there, get it, establish yourself in it, see if you can't minister to some people there. Uh, and we're glad to be able to do it. May God bless you and keep you this week as we wait for his imminent return. Amen.